Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Amen. Isn't that wonderful, beautiful song about a wonderful Savior? And I pray that we'll all have a desire to serve Him and do His will for each of our lives. I'm just uh, thinking about the Lord and His goodness. I'm thinking about where we're at, our family, our church family, many blessings. I talked to my father-in-law yesterday, and uh, he said he was kind of uh, complaining in his spirit uh, about some of his health challenges recently and said the Lord just clearly reminded me of his goodness and the fact that he's let me be here this long. And he said, in particularly, he said, the Lord spoke to my heart about making the most of what time I have yet. And I want to do that, don't you? For the cause of Christ. Whatever time, whatever challenges, whatever we face, there's a God in heaven who's faithful. There's a God in heaven who's worthy. And we can trust Him. And we can have our whole heart given to Him. Our hopes in the Lord. Because God knows exactly who we are and where we are and what He's wanting to accomplish in our lives. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Acts. We're going to begin here, and then we're going to the book of John. But I want you to see something here in Acts chapter 20, if you'll turn there. There's a powerful statement that I want us to take to heart as the theme and title of our message. Acts chapter 20 and verse 35, the Apostle Paul is saying his goodbye to the church of Ephesus and the Ephesian leaders here and uh, charging them to be faithful to God and the Word of God and the people of God, the work that God is doing through this local church. But then he says in Acts 20 and verse 35, I've showed you all things how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want you to underline that expression there. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Remember what Jesus said. Whatever challenge you're facing today, whatever transition you're facing today, whatever new chapter of life you're facing, take the words of Jesus with you. People will say all kinds of things. People have all kinds of ideas, all kinds of opinions, and, and they will chime in and they will say one thing and then someone else another. But what did Jesus say about it? I remember oftentimes talking to my wife and we'd have some challenge before us and I said, well, I'm going to get along with God. I'm going to get in the Bible and whatever God says in His Word that we're to do in a matter like that, this, that is what we're going to do. We're going to do what God says. We're going to remember the words of the Lord Jesus we're going to do what God 
says. Turn with me back to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. It's a powerful statement here because Jesus is giving this prophecy concerning the Holy Spirit and His indwelling power. And the people were divided because some were beginning to think that Christ was a prophet indeed, but others grappled with believing that. So there was a division among the people because of Him, verse 43 says. And uh, there were those who wanted to take Him and others who restrained them. But then we read of the officers in verse number 46 who said, Never man spake like this man. There's never been anyone say the things that this man has said. They also marveled at him in other portions of Scripture and passages you can read. The scribes and the Pharisees, they marveled at his words and how he spoke with authority. These were not just any words. These were the words of the Lord Jesus the very Son of God, God the Son. What did He say? Well, it's amazing that we hear the words of the Lord Jesus. With that in mind, turn back with me to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Matthew presents Jesus as the promised Messiah, the heir of David and the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. One is written, He is the true King and the new Moses. He has come to fulfill the law and the prophets and usher in the kingdom of God. Mark shows Jesus as the suffering servant, the Son of God, come with authority to teach, heal, and cast out demons. He's also the true representation of what it means to be human. Jesus' rejection and suffering are raw and pronounced in Mark. Luke presents Jesus as the Son of Man the prophet who has come to suffer for his people. He is a healer, a friend to tax collectors. He has come to seek and to save that which was lost and outcast. He's the servant from Isaiah who brings comfort to the suffering and oppressed. From John, we read that Jesus is God the Son, the Word made flesh, God present since the beginning of time, he is the one who reveals the Father. Jesus makes bold claims about Himself that require bold faith from His listeners. Another writer pen, John had two purposes in mind when he wrote his gospel. To prove that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and God the Son. And to invite people to believe in Him and to be saved. His evidence for the deity of Christ is threefold. The miracles He performed, the words He spake, and the testimony of witnesses who knew Him. As you read the Gospel of John, you will hear Jesus speak, see Him act in power, and watch people respond to what He says and does. Seven witnesses declare that He is the Son of God. John the Baptist, Nathaniel, Peter, a man who had been born blind, Martha, Thomas, the Apostle John, and Jesus Himself also declared His deity. Jesus is not only the Son of God, but He is God the Son. 
We believe in the deity of Jesus Christ. God was manifest in the flesh. The Bible says here in John chapter 1 and verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is the living Word of God, Jesus Christ. The same was in the beginning with God. Notice verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is God. He is Creator. The Bible also says that He was sent from God, and He was that light, the true light in verse 9, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He is creator. He is savior. He is the God who moved among us and offered himself as the Messiah, the promised one sent from the Father. Verse 11 we read, He came into his own, and his own received him not. I like verse 12, don't you? But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. There it is. And we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This is who Jesus Christ is. His words, therefore, have authority. They have power. We should want to know what He has said. I think about this as we consider the words of the Lord Jesus and I want you to think with me into chapter number 2, John chapter 2, if you'll turn there. We see the zeal of our Savior for the Father's house, the Lord's house. In John chapter 2 and verse 16, And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my Father's house a house of merchandise and his disciples remember that it was written the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up he had a genuine zeal for the house of the Lord but then he declared in verse 19 destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up it was not speaking of the physical temple of God but himself his own body they were going to destroy him they were going to crucify him but the grave would not be able to hold him he would raise up. He would rise again. He would prevail victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He's a wonderful Savior. Oh, let's listen to His words. Not only who He is, but what He has said, what He has declared unto us. Notice in John chapter 3 and verse 7, Marvel not that I say unto thee, ye must be born again. That's not some church teaching. That's the teaching of Jesus Christ, the words of the Lord Jesus. He said that is not about religion. 
It's not about self-righteousness. It's not about just a mental acknowledgement or assent. Well, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but no, a true faith in Jesus Christ is a believing faith that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way of forgiveness. There's no other sacrifice or payment for sin. Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father. And those who have faith in Him are born again. Born from above. Not by the will of man. Not by church membership or baptism or partaking in communion. Not by anything we can do or the church can do. It's only what God can do. By grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm glad I know Him today. Do you know the Lord Jesus? Have you received Him by faith? Notice what he said in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That is a present possession for the child of God. Once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are born again, born from above born into the family of God, that's an eternal relationship that cannot be severed. For God sent not His Son, verse 17, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. There's no other way. This, these are the words of the Lord Jesus. Let's remember them. Let's regard them. Let's receive them. Notice John chapter 4, we read of a very special passage here of how Jesus dealt with this Samaritan woman. And uh, she was drawing water from a well from whence once you would drink, you would thirst again, verse 13 says. But I like verse 14. Jesus said, Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus is the water of life. The world is thirsting. They're looking for something to quench the thirst of their soul, their heart, their spirit. They're looking in so many other places that if you partake of those wells, you'll thirst again. But when you partake of the water of life from the well of Jesus Christ, your quench is eternally satisfied. I'm so thankful for that today. I'm not looking for another route, another way, another hope. I tried Jesus and he wasn't enough. I tried Jesus and he didn't satisfy. I tried, be careful by the way, using that expression. I'm going to give God a try. I'm going to try him out. Uh, be careful about that. There's a point there to where God can be tried in the sense of he'll prove trustworthy. He says, 
uh, prove me, test me, put me to the test, he said in Malachi about this matter of giving as unto him. But you think about it. We need to be careful when we use that expression like, well, I'll give God a try, and if he doesn't work out, I'll move on to something else. You have to wonder if that's genuine faith in someone's heart. See, it's like another variety, another religion, or another way, or another God even. Jesus is not just simply a God among the many gods that this world claims. He is God, very God of gods. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's who He is. He's not just another option to try. He's not just someone else that you might consider for a time, and then if it doesn't work out into your own way of understanding things, then you're going to move on to someone or something else. There is but one way. There is but one Savior. Jesus Christ is Himself indeed the hope of the world. I like this. Whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, these are the words of the Lord Jesus, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Notice John chapter 5, verse 24. When you see the word verily, that means truly. So verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Think about that. He's speaking of this eternal life that is wrought by faith in Him. So we read in verse 24, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. There it is again. Eternal salvation is a present possession. It's not like, well, I put faith in Christ and, and, and I, I'm as saved as long as I keep myself saved. And then one day, if I am good enough and have kept myself well enough, then I will earn eternal life and be saved forever when I leave this world. Now, that's what I believed as a younger man and believed it very sincerely. But I got to thinking about that one day and I thought, no, wait a minute. If I've got to keep myself saved, in the end, who is my Savior? I mean, I'm just thinking about this in my own mind. I'm thinking, well, if I've got to keep myself saved, then in the end, I'm the one who is my Savior. Now, I was working through this, grappling with this. I'd gone forward. As a younger man, the altar many times, professing faith in Jesus Christ, I tried my best. As best I remember, I was sincere. And I wanted to please God, but I would fail somewhere. I would stumble and, and I would sin. And I thought, well, that's it. I'm lost all over again. And I'd go forward the next Sunday and I would profess faith in Christ. And I'll tell you, I struggled with that. I was terrorized with fear that something would happen to me. 
I wouldn't be thoroughly right with the Lord and, and I wouldn't go to heaven when I left this world. I'd go to hell instead. And, and I'll tell you, as I, as I grappled with that in my heart, struggled with that, I went to the Word of God and this is what I began to read. Hath everlasting life. It's something God gives you the moment you put faith in Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is what? It's not of works of righteousness which we've done, but according to God's mercy hath He saved us. It's a gift of God's grace. It's a gift. I received it by faith. And I thought, wow, I'm saved forever. Right here, right now, by Jesus Christ. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. I understand the sincerity of a lot of people and People say, well, that means you can live any way you want to live and, and, uh, and still end up in heaven one day. That's not what the Bible teaches. If you do not have any conviction or contrition over sin in your heart, though you profess the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're none of His. You don't know the Lord. You may have professed Him, but you don't possess Him. You don't know Him truly as your own personal Savior because making a profession of faith and then going back into your sin and living any way you want to without any remorse over sin or without any conviction of sin, without any chastening of God, even to the point of an early grave. The Bible says to give such a one over to Satan for destruction of the flesh that in the end the soul might be saved. There is a sin and a death. And if we as the children of God will not heed His chastening, there's a point to where God says, all right, I'm going to bring you on home. The Bible says now, if you're without chastisement, you're none of His, right? That's what the Bible teaches. So there's a lot of people who have professed the Lord, but they think, well, I'm just free to live any way I want. They have no conviction of sin, no sorrow over sin, no chastisement in their lives. No wonder the Lord said, many will come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? What will he say unto those? Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Wow, not I once knew you and then you walked away. I never knew you. You were never one of mine. You trusted what you did for me instead of what I did for you on Calvary. Now may the Spirit of God speak. It's not in man. It's not in me. It's in the Word of Christ. For He says, notice over in John chapter 6, it's a powerful statement in verse 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. We can reason, we can talk, we can hash it out all day long. But Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Listen to the, listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. What He said, this is the truth. No man can come unto the Father except he be drawn, the Bible declares. Jesus said in verse number 44. He says in verse 
37 of John chapter 6, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Don't you thank God for that? Now, as long as Jesus was healing the sick and feeding the hungry, there were many people who walked with him. But when he began to speak the truth like he does here in John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. If you don't partake of me, the picture there, if you do not eat of me spiritually, if you do not receive me by faith, then you're not of mine, you don't know me. I think it's a powerful thing here, and that's the way churches are today if we're not careful. There's a lot of good that we do, and that attracts a lot of people. But what separates those who are drawn to the miracles of Jesus versus those who are drawn to the person of Jesus is what you do when the rubber meets the road. And he says, I'm the only way. There are not many ways to God, there is one. This is not about what you do for God, it's about what God has done for you in sending His Son. If you don't partake of me, if you don't believe in me, there's no other hope, there's no other way. Well, the Bible says, from that time, in verse 66, many of His disciples went back and walked no more with Him. They were following Him for all the temporary physical things they could see and enjoy. But when it came to the eternal truths that he would represent, that's when their heart of pride, self-will, self-righteousness, and unbelief was revealed. Jesus turned to the twelve, verse 67, and said, We also go away. And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words, there it is, of eternal life. What did Jesus say? I know preachers can say things, churches can say things, people can say things, but what did Jesus say? Never a man spake like this man. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. Let His words that are truth and right, authoritative and powerful, let His words resonate in your heart. It is the Spirit that quickens and gives life when you hear the words of truth. Well, it's amazing. Notice lastly in chapter 8. You could go through this book of the Bible. I've just enjoyed this study, this little journey here. I thought, what did Jesus say about Himself? What did He say about this matter of salvation and forgiveness of sin? John chapter 8. Verse 24, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am He, ye shall die in your sins. That's a powerful statement. If you don't believe who I claim to be, I'm the Messiah sent one, the sent one from the Father. I am the Savior. I am the only hope of forgiveness of sin. Your only way to make it to heaven. If you don't believe that, you will die in your sins. Now he's speaking to a lot of self-righteous people that don't think they're self-righteous. They're very sincere. They're very religious even. They believe in God. The Bible says in James chapter 2, 
The devils also believe and tremble. They're affected mentally. They're affected emotionally because they know that there's a God, but they're not affected personally because they've never bowed the knee, as it were, and repented and said, Jesus Christ, you are the only way. You are the only hope of my forgiveness and my salvation. They have a mental acknowledgement and a belief that there's a God. A terror even, knowing that they're going to meet this God out there to them, and it could be to many, mysterious. You can't know Him. The Bible says we can know Him. Jesus Christ came to us to reveal the Father to us. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know Him today? Because the Bible says if you don't know Him, there's no other way. There is no other hope. There is no other path to forgiveness. I like what we read in John chapter 14. Can you say it with me, verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's the words of the Lord Jesus. That's what he said. People say, well, does your church believe this? Does your church believe that? Well, I say, well, it's not so important that we began there. It's not about what we believe as opposed to what someone else believes or not. It's about what does God say in His Word. So the Bible says... God says, Jesus said. And what Jesus said, we believe. That's what we believe. Whatever He said, He's the living Word. And He's given us the Bible. The written Word of God. And whatever Jesus said is what we believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you believed on Him by faith as your Savior? Do you know if you died today, heaven would be your home? Do you have that assurance? Do you have that assurance? If you stood before the Lord before this day was over and you were asked, why should I allow you into heaven? What would be your answer? Now, that's just hypothetical. That's not the way it actually happens in the Bible. But I'm just getting you to think about this. Because the Bible says, at the moment of death, if we're saved, absent from the body, present with the Lord. If we're not saved, at the moment of death, the moment of death, the Bible teaches us that we're as the rich man was. Not because he was rich, but because he trusted in his riches instead of God. The Bible says in that moment, in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torment. As sure as there's a heaven, there is a hell. And Jesus warned about hell 13 times more than he spoke of heaven. He said, in essence, at all costs, don't go to hell. At all costs, avoid hell. At all costs, don't be deceived by religion, good intentions, well-meaning. No, your faith is in Jesus Christ. You've heard the words of the Lord Jesus. 
and you've received them into your heart and you've put your faith and your trust in him, believing he died for you and he rose again. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.